Hey, you're listening to Blue Jean Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Jean Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluejeanselma.com. Thank you very much. Um, Great to be here. Great to be in God's house. And as always, appreciate the opportunity to share God's word. Um, Several months ago, I shared a a sermon I entitled Cultivating Community. And it seems to be a real theme uh, in my mind where I go and and the, the feelings that I have that God is really desiring for his church to me, a community of believers. And so the word God has given me this morning is cultivating community, I guess, part two. Um, In Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes chapter four, the word tells us, beginning in verse eight, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. If you kind of see the picture that he's, that he's painting here is the need for relationships and the need for community because this man was alone. He had neither son nor brother and, that, and because of that, there was no end to his toil. He was trying to do it all by himself. I've had brothers and I've had people to help me, but many times in my stubbornness, I try to do it all alone by myself. It says that, that in, in doing this, there was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. He had drawn in a lot of wealth, but he was not content with that wealth. And so he said, for whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? So he thought, well, wealth is not the direction. Wealth is not giving me the fulfillment that I want, even though I'm working hard and I'm striving and I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. I'm doing all the right stuff. I'm working hard. I'm making money. But the wealth, I'm not enjoying it. So let's get into the enjoyment aspect of things. But it tells us even in that, he said, this too is meaningless, a miserable business. And you know, that's the way of the world. We seek the things of the world and they do not bring us the contentment that can only come from God. Whether it's hard work, whether it's lots of money, whether it's lots of enjoyment, lots of bling, lots of this, lots of that, that stuff will never bring us true fulfillment. In Matthew 6.33, the scripture tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these things will be added unto you. But see, when we get the the cart turned around backwards and start seeking after all the things, the money, the wealth, the, the, uh, the, the hard work, the, uh, the, the enjoyment, then we get neither. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. But in verse 9, he kind of turns, turns in a different direction and the scripture tells us that two are better than one. Two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other one up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. 
You know, it's, it's like uh, the, the two being better than one. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. They have good return on their labor. And if one of them falls down, they have someone there to help them up. Pity the one who has no one to help them up. It's like those, uh, I, I forget what the, the name of it is. It's those commercials, Life Lock or something like that, where you've got this little button that if you fall down, you can push it, and then you've got somebody to help you. And then you've got the picture of that lady that says, help I've fallen and I can't get up you know and we need that other individual there we need those people that can come alongside us and when we do fall and we'll talk a bunch about that in a minute that when we do fall we have someone there that can help us up and then he goes on and he says if if the two lie down together they will keep warm but how can one keep warm alone verse 12 powerful word Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And that is the beauty of community. That is the beauty of relationships that we join together, and together we are stronger than we can be apart. There's a word that defines that, and the word is synergy. And the easiest way in my simple mind to understand synergy is this, two plus two equals five. Two plus two equals five. Now every one of us in this house knows that two plus two equals four, right? Okay, but in synergy, the two plus the other two can be a greater outcome than either of the parts when they're pulled apart. So synergy is what he's saying. A cord of three strands cannot easily be broken. I used to do a thing in group and I would always pick the uh, biggest, strongest, brawnest, meanest looking guy that I'd have. And most of them were that way because they were all felons. But, uh, but anyway, I would get them to come up in front of the group. And I'd say, hold your hands out. And I'll probably get in trouble for messing up the microphone by doing this. And then I'd take a, a just regular, regular cotton cord, right? And uh, like thread. And I'd wrap it around his, his, his hands a couple uh, a time. And I'd say, pull it apart. And he would easily break it. And I'd say, let's try it again. And I'd do it about two times. He could break it. And then you do it about three or four times. And guess what? I might as well put handcuffs on that guy because at that point, it wasn't going to be broken. It was going to cut into his skin before it got broken, okay? And that's the way it is. A cord of three strands cannot easily be broken. The power of synergy, the power of community. That's what we're talking about here. And I believe that's the heart of the Father. There's a... Uh, there is a song written back in the 80s, and you'll recognize this song in just a moment, okay? But the words of the song go like this. It's not a Christian song. I'll just go ahead and warn you, okay? It says, making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name And they're always glad you came You want to be where you can see Our troubles are all the same You want to be where everybody knows your name And you know that's the theme song for Cheers, right? I thought, I figured I would never hear that song in church And I certainly thought that I would not be the one singing it, okay? But I did have a little stint. Y'all may know, not know this about me, but I did have a, a, a short career 
on Broad, Broadway, I mean Broad Street in Gadsden, uh, right there on the corner of Broad and Third, and uh, it, it wasn't very long. It was kind of the, the very beginning of my musical career and the end of my musical career as well. But, um, but there's so much truth to that song. And you think about that silly sitcom, and you think there is a, unfortunately, a better picture of community in a worldly sitcom than some churches offer today. Because when Norm walked through the, through the doors, what happened? Norm! And at that point, two of the things that we have a desire built into us for as human beings happened, okay? He felt known. I'll, I'll, I'll revisit these a couple times till you can say them in your sleep today, tonight. There was the desire met of being known and being needed. Being known and needed. And there is within each of us a desire to be known. Everybody knows your name. And to be needed. Norm, we're glad you're here. And that's what the church is designed to be. That's what the ch uh, church, that's what the God wants the church to be. Is a community of believers where when you walk in, you are recognized and you are necessary. You are needed. And, and it reminds me of, uh, well, actually I, I was thinking as I was going over this. Unfortunately, that's why there is such an appeal in the world for bars. Because bars. People go to bars thinking they can find community, thinking they can find relationships, thinking they can find acceptance. But in the words of another old song, they are looking for love in all the wrong places, folks. The church needs to be that place. The church needs to be the place where people can come and feel significant, feel known, feel needed, feel important and necessary. We need to be part of a team. We need to be part of a, of a group of believers that love one another and support one another. Real life happens in the context of relationships. Also, real honesty happens in the context of relationships. Um, there is a phrase I used to use frequently when I worked in, in uh, rehab, and the phrase is this, an addict alone is in bad company. An addict alone as in, is in bad company. But you know the reality of it is, any one of us alone is in bad company. When we pull away and when we withdraw and when we isolate and we make ourselves alone, then we are in bad company. In fact, God addressed this real close to the front in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. After he had created all of creation, he said these words, and Adam, creation and Adam, okay? He said, it is not good that man should be alone. It is not good that man should be alone. And you know what? Thousands of years later, that holds so true. It is not good that man should be alone. Romans 12, 5 words it like this. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. And I like this next phrase. So we belong to each other. Let me read that again. So it is with Christ's body. What is the church? Christ's body is the church. We are many parts. Each one of us, are, we're, we're many parts. But one body, unity, unity, community. Isn't it amazing how much they sound alike? So we all belong to each other. We belong to each other. We are part of a family. As Bob said, you're always going to be part of the Blue Jean family, Ray. And that, that, that makes me feel known and needed. 
Those two things that each of us have that deep desire in our heart to feel. What I would like to do this morning is um, beyond singing something else that will probably get me in trouble. I want to honor some of those parts. In Corinthians, it talks about the fact that they're, they're what the world might deem as less significant parts and more significant parts. But the truth of the matter is in the fellowship of God, in the community of God, in the body of Christ, we are all significant. We are all significant. And as, as I was thinking about that, I, I thought, you know, it talks about the eyes and ears in Corinthians and it talks about the different body parts and how some parts feel, feel like maybe I'm less significant than other parts. Silly illustration, and I would recommend you not doing this, but if you think that any part is not significant, go this afternoon and drop a brick on your little toe. Okay? Because you might think that little toe is insignificant, right? I mean, it doesn't do, it doesn't do a whole lot but hang out, okay? But you drop a brick on it, and you will immediately... Be, senses will be shot through your entire body and you will know that toe is significant. And I want to I just mention a few people that, and, and anytime I do something like this, I'm going to blow it because I'm going to forget somebody, okay, or miss, miss out on somebody. But there are some people that are part of this body that you don't see what they do. And I've only been here 13 months, but I've seen some of the things that some of the people do. And uh, folks like... Miss Amy that gets here every time the doors are open and uh, makes coffee for us, makes us feel welcome, makes us feel a part of, of this fellowship. And, uh, and, and just what she does behind the scenes is so appreciated and it's, it's so necessary. I was a necessary part of the body. Somebody else that you don't see doing something is a person that gets here before you do on Sunday mornings. It's Miss Angela Harper. And she'll probably get on to me for mentioning her name. But she walks through this church and lays hands on every pew and prays for the people that will fill those pews that day, that they will be blessed, that they will be touched, that God will change their lives. How about the folks that sing for us and do the praise and worship? Man, they get here early and they practice and they, they do such a great job honoring God with their gifts. How special is that? And I'll tell you, and I've, I've told Rick and some of the others before, that that's part of the reason I started here is because my son, before I'd, I'd ever heard of Blue Jean, and when he was down here in Selma, he said, Dad, there's this church we go to called Blue Jean, and they had the coolest acoustic uh, 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 music. And he said, it's so great. And so I said, well, we'd like to go down there and visit and see that. And they just practice and they perform and they, well, they don't, I'm not going to say perform. They offer to God their gifts and, and lead us in worship. How about the guys behind the sound booth, man? They can do every Sunday. They can pull together every Sunday what I couldn't pull together in 100 years, okay? And, and even if I did, it wouldn't be nearly as good as what they did, what they do. Okay, and my guys that drive the van, man, you guys are so good and so faithful, and uh, and you 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 bring people to our fellowship that wouldn't be able to be here otherwise. Okay, and and Bob and Josh and the leadership team, oh my goodness, the hours y'all meet in prayer. I, I was really I was really thinking about this, and I've never been in one of these meetings, but I kind of have a sense of how it might go. They spend probably the bulk of their time in prayer. Okay. 
They spend time seeking God's face and direction for blue jean and then figuring out how to follow God in his plan. And to think that they do this to bring about a, a church that, that, that loves Jesus and honors him, and, and, and we honor you guys for that. And you know, there's so many others. Our ladies down there in the nursery, our small group leaders, our Sunday school teachers, um, even though they're not here, the guys from Team Challenge that come every Friday and, and, and clean the place. And there's countless more. But you know what? That's the body working as the body. There is no insignificant part. You are every, each and every one of you, you are significant. And God honors you for your service to him. And I would like to honor you as well. Um, This morning I would like to utilize a tool that I've used for many years in counseling. I'm going to try something new today, and that's always scary for me because I'm not a technological person. But there is a tool that I've used for many years, and it helps us understand the way the body works, the way uh, community works, the way relationships work, and it helps us to kind of see why we need one another. It's a tool called the Jahari window. And in the Jahari window, there it's they call it the Jahari window because it's like a window pane. And uh, there are four different segments to this window, just like in many windows, there would be four different panes in the window. And the first pane, see if I can, there we go. Uh, whoops. Of myself. Okay, let's try it again. All right, learning curve. Sorry about that. The, the first area that we'll look at is what they call the arena. And the arena is what I call the obvious. Okay? The arena is what we all can see. You and I, you can see that I'm wearing blue jeans and a blue shirt today. I can see that you're wearing a vest. I can see that many of you still have your mask on. That's the obvious. That is the arena, okay? That's what everyone can see. In Matthew chapter 23, verses 5, it says, and this is talking about the Pharisees, okay? And you know, and, and I, I know I've shared this before because I, I find it quite um, telling is that you know the people that Jesus had the biggest problem with? It was the religious folks, the Pharisees, okay? He didn't have any problem with the regular folks that just wanted to have relationship with him. It was these religious folks that he had problems with. And he said in uh, verse 5 of chapter 23, he says, everything they do is done for people to see part of the arena they do it to be seen okay and in verse 27 of that same chapter he says woe to you teachers of the law and pharisees you hypocrites you are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean i mean you know you think about it you think about jesus as that loving lovable this that and the other but when he had to be tough he could be tough. When he had to get down to business and tell the truth, he could do that. 
And he calls these religious leaders of the day whitewashed tombs. You look great on the outside, arena, but on the inside, you're filled with dead man's bones. And you know, sometimes that's as far as most people in churches get with their relationships. We walk in, I've got my smile on, you know, I, I'm spiffed up my clothes, hopefully, you know, took a bath and all that good kind of stuff. And then I see you and you say, how you doing? I'm fine. How you doing? Fine. And we don't ever get beyond the arena. We don't get down to, to the next level, to any levels. We just tell somebody what they think, what we think they want to hear. And there is no relationship in the arena. In fact, as I was thinking back over that this over this this weekend, uh, because I've shared with you before, by the time I preached it on Sunday, I preached it to myself about 50 times because I'm a slower learner than most of y'all are. Okay, and so uh, as I was re as I was rethinking this this weekend, I thought of the arena, and you know what? The arena is where people got slaughtered back in the Roman days, back in the days of the gladiator. They would send people into that arena. So that, in essence, to be slaughtered for entertainment. And if this is as far as we get in relationships, do you know what? We're going to get slaughtered as well. Because Satan roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he may just be one of those right there in the arena with you to destroy you. Okay? It says the thief comes but to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Thank goodness Jesus has come to give us life. So the arena... The next pane in my window is called a facade or mask. And I'm not talking about these either, okay? I'm talking about that mask I wear, okay? The, the, the arena says, I know and you know. That's the obvious. I know, you know. You see what I'm wearing, I see what you're wearing. I know, you know. The facade says, I know, but you don't know. That's that secret life. Okay, the secret life—it's the life that we don't want pe don't want to get out to public. Okay, it's that secret life, and many people have it. There's a phrase we used to use in in working in uh, uh, in uh, recovery that said, and I remember the first time I, I really do remember the first time I heard it, and the phrase is, "We are only as sick as our secrets." And I remember the first time I heard that, it was like, uh-oh. If I'm only as sick as my secrets, I am a sick guy. I am a sick guy because guess what? I had lots of them. Lots of them. I wanted to present that, 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 that facade, that mask that I'm okay. You know, there, there was a book years ago that says, I'm okay, you're okay. And it sounds like a pretty good book title, but I think there's not any truth to that, you know, because at the end of the day, I'm not okay, and chances are you probably aren't either, okay? But we put this mask on, and we try to pretend to be someone we're not. It's that facade. Um, the Message Bible in 2 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2 reads like this. Since God has so generously let us in on what he is doing... Now, Let's just stop right there. That's pretty cool. The God of this universe has let us in on what he's doing. Now, how special is that? How incredible is that? 
You know, when people ask, people that I look up to ask to me to help them in some way, I'm honored to help them. But the God of this universe has asked us to be in on what he is doing. Since he has generously asked us to be in on what he is doing, we're not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job just because we run into a, an occasional hard time. You know, many people do that. They, 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 they get up against a wall, they throw up their hands, and they give in. They just throw in the towel. I remember, I'm sorry I, I digress, but years ago there was a boxing match. And I mean, this is like probably 25 years ago. And uh, there was a gentleman by the name of uh, Roberto Duran. And he was boxing Sugar Ray Leonard, if, I'm, if memory serves me correct. I didn't think about this. It just popped into my mind. And uh, it was really like all fights are. It was so promoted and everybody was looking so forward to it. But right off the bat... Roberto Duran realized, this ain't going my way. This ain't going my way. And he threw in the towel and said, no mas. No mas. Because he did not want to pursue that fight any longer. He knew that he had been beaten. He threw in the towel. He gave up. And you know what? There are too many believers that do that as well. You know, we think, well, God, you didn't answer my prayer. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. You, and, and, and so-and-so at church was, was not friendly to me or said something, you know. And we, we throw in the towel. We, we, we say it's, it's all bad, but it's not. We need to stick with it and, and not give up. And it goes on to say, and he says, we, here's, here's the key. We refuse to wear masks and play games. We do not move, maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. We do not twist God's word to suit ourselves. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open. The whole truth on display so that those who want to can see and judge for themselves in the presence of God. Powerful word. James 5.16 says it like this. We confess our sins one to another and pray for one another so that we can be healed. And you know, that's a, a very familiar verse to many people, but a lot of believers will not live by that, by that word because if we confess our sins one to another, sometimes that doesn't work out right doesn't work out for us because some of those people will use that against you. So we think to ourselves, okay, even though I know the word says confess my sins to each other and pray for one another so that you may be healed, well, but Ray, the last time I did that, and then you fill in the blank, okay? Let me give you an illustration, though, that might help us through this. Everybody has bold water, right? And uh, occasionally when you're doing something, you're cooking something, maybe rice or whatever, and you've got boiling water and you put the rice in there and some of it splashes over on you and you get burnt, okay? So at that point in time, you say what? I'm never going to have any more dealings with water again because water hurt me. So therefore, I'm not going to have anything to do with water for the rest of my life. Wrong. You just learn to be cautious and you learn to do it the correct way. And it's the same way. Many people give up on church, give up on fellowship, give up on community because at some point in time they've been hurt by it. Well, let me just tell you, when you're in community and in relationships, sometimes you're going to get hurt. It's just going to happen. And so, but we don't throw it out just because we got hurt. 
we learn how to love and work through the hurts. The third area is called the blind spot. I love the blind spot because the blind spot where the first one says, I know and you know. The second one, the facade says, I know but you don't know. The third one is the I don't, the blind spot, I don't know but you know, okay? Now this one is probably easy for most of us to understand. The blind spot is the one where something's going on and I don't see it about myself but you see it and hopefully you will sometimes discreetly mention it to me like my zipper's down, okay? You know, I didn't know this, but you noticed this and I would really appreciate you letting me in on this secret, okay? So that I can correct the problem, okay? It's the blind spot. I use a, another illustration in, in regard to the blind spot, okay? My kids are little, right? They're, 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 they're young and we're going on vacation and we're on the interstate and, and I'm about to change lanes, right? And I'm about to pull over and at, 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 at that moment, the five-year-old says, no, daddy, there's a car there. Now, what is my response gonna be? Wait a minute. I'm the one in authority here. I've been driving for 20 plus years and you've never been behind the wheel of an automobile a day in your life? and you're telling me what to do? No, if I have a lick of sense in my mind, I listen to that because they have seen something that I didn't see, a blind spot, okay? And I correct that before I crash. Another illustration, I love illustrations, okay? Because I can see it in my mind. I'm at the Grand Canyon, right? And I notice there's this little kid just bebopping. I'm sure they got more safety stuff than they did when I was a kid over there. But uh, there's a kid just messing around around the edge the way the kids do. And, you know, he's not paying attention, okay? And uh, he's about to step off into the canyon. And I notice this, and I, 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 I run and tackle the kid. I don't say, hey, Junior, don't do that, okay? You run, at that point, you run and tackle the child. Well, you scuff up their knee in the process, but at least they didn't go over the edge and die, okay? And sometimes we've got to be that, and I'll give you a verse that will, that will line up with this in just a moment and tell you the, that exact same thing. In fact, it's Proverbs 27, 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. See, sometimes I have a, a, a probably one of my closer, closest friends is a friend by the name of Bobby. And Bobby knows enough about me because I tend to do all the things wrong that I'm talking to you about today, okay? My friend Bobby knows that if he doesn't hear from me in a while, that things are probably not great. And at that point, he will give me a call, say, Ray, what's going on? What's going on? Does, does that feel warm and fuzzy to me? When somebody calls me out and say, hey, what's wrong? What's going on? No, but it's from a friend. And a wound from a friend can be trusted. You need to have those relationships with people that have the, uh, the freedom, there's the word, the freedom to say, Ray, what's up? What's going on? I see you slipping in an area and, and I, 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 as your friend and, and know that I love you, I, I don't want you to go over the edge of that canyon, okay? That, that, that's not a friend when I, out of uh, uh, just uh, whatever, 
allow them to slip off into something. We need to be there for one another, and that's what community does. Let me roll on real quick and finish up. The fourth one is called the unknown. I call it, I prefer the word potential, okay? The, the, the unknown says, I don't know and you don't know, okay? That's what the unknown is. I don't know and you don't know, but God knows. See, that's the beauty of being a believer, because if you're just looking at this from a worldly standpoint, which is what I was taught it from, just a strictly worldly standpoint, the thing is the unknown, I don't know and you don't know, and now we're just out there in the dark. But the fact of the matter is, I don't know, you don't know, but God knows. And not only does he know, he's in control, and his desire is for your best. Jeremiah 28, 11 says, Behold the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Uh, Romans 8, 28, God works all things together for good to those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose. The words translated works together in Romans 8, 28, the two words works together is actually in the Greek the word synergii. And there we go back to that word synergy. Working together, the body of Christ working together as one unit, okay? You know, I remember I was, I was thinking as, uh, and I'll kind of close with this. The, uh, when I was a kid, um, well, not only while I was a kid, <laughs> pretty much all my life, I loved to play. I mean, I loved to play. And baseball was my, that was my sport. And we had a, uh, a block wall in our backyard, and I, don't, I cannot tell you how many hours I spent throwing a tennis ball or whatever kind of ball I could against that and learning how to, to do that. My mom would get on to me because I would be chunking it up on the roof of the house, bam, bam, and then learning how to field it. And then one day, I, Dad stepped me up to a, a, a wonderful invention called a pitchback. And oh man, I was really in business then. And I would spend hours and hours and hours grounding the ball, fly balls, line drives, whatever, just trying to hone those skills. But you know what? As, as much fun as that was, you know what was more fun? Is when I got together with my team and played ball. Now see, there's a lot of great stuff we can do alone. We can read God's word. We can pray. We can meditate. We can do so much good stuff by ourselves. But there should be nothing that compares to getting together here in this place and worshiping him as a team. And that's what I'm talking about. A team of people that, that are diverse, but people that are necessary, people that are needed, and people that can do what I cannot and what you cannot do. That's why we need one another. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Iron sharpens iron. Us working together, we can sharpen one another. And I'll close with this. The best version of you is ahead. I'll say it again. The best version of you is not behind you, but it is ahead of you. But in order to get there, in order to be that best version of you, we need one another. 
We need to find a small group. We need to connect. We need to get on a team, whether it be in the audio, whether it be on the van, whether it be greeters, whatever. We need to be part of a team where we can serve because the bottom line is this. Everybody needs to be known and be needed. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, we bless you, we honor you. You are so worthy. And Father, I just pray that, uh, Holy Spirit, you will utilize these words this morning to touch hearts and change lives so that people will become more, a more integral part of this team called Blue Gene. And Father, let us uh, humbly work together as, as your believers and as people that love one another and want to be a part of a bigger community, a team that can do what we cannot do by ourselves. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people, your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com.